Well, I think he would be most thrilled with the um, phase three trials that have come out recently showing the success of using um, targeted therapy in treating metastatic prostate cancer. That would really be exciting. Hi and welcome to a new episode of the Terragnostic Talks podcast. My name is Gustav Vidar and together with me in the studio, Annette Andrian. Welcome, Annette. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you, Gustav. And you? I'm very fine, thank you. Today we will go back to the roots and talk about the father of Terragnostics, Saul Hertz, who pioneered the therapeutic use of radioactive iodine. Yes, and he is really the, the father because he was the first medical doctor to use radioactive iodine to first treat hypo, hyperthyroidism, a difficult word, and then further on to thyroid carcinoma, when he unfortunately passed away only 45 years old. And today we have the privilege to talk to his daughter, Barbara. She will give us the true story of soul hurts. But, but before that, what, Gustav, what is iodine? Radioactive iodine, 131, decays through a beta particle that is used for the treatment. But there's also a photon in the decay chain that could be used to measure the uptake in the thyroid and to image the thyroid. So, diagnostics. So what Saul Hurst discovered that the malign disease hyperthyroidism where the thyroid is overactive and produces too much of the hormone thyroxine, iodine 1 through 1 could be used to kill some cells to reduce the production of thyroxine. What Saul also discovered was if he used even higher activity, he also could kill tired cancer cells. And that was done today. High doses of iodine 1 through 1 is regulatory used as an adjuvant treatment of ty- thyroid yeah. carcinoma. That's fantastic and, and so many years ago already. Uh, so now we are really looking forward to learn more about the discoveries and insights of soul hurts. Yes, as you used to say, take it away. He is called the father of theragnostics, the American physician Saul Hertz. He was the first medical doctor to use radioactive iodine to treat hyperthyroidism. He was the one who pioneered the first targeted cancer therapies. Saul Hertz passed away of a heart attack in 1950, only 45 years old. When his daughter, decades later, found boxes of his original work, she decided to honour her father's extraordinary journey and started the Saul Hertz Archives. In this episode of Theragnostic Talks, we talk to Barbara Hertz about the importance of her father's work. We also talk about the fact that while Saul Hertz served the Navy during World War II, other people took the opportunity to take credit for his work. The history of his contribution had been twisted. 
very welcome, Barbara. We are so glad to have you with us. And we are so excited to talk about the great work of your father, Dr. Saul Hurst, who conceived and brought from bench to bedside the medical uses of radioactive iodine. Radioactive iodine is the first and gold standard of diagnostic and precision oncology. What do you remember about your father, Barbara? My first memory is from a wedding picture that hung on my bedroom wall. I would not have recognized the Phi Beta Kappa key that he wore that day or appreciate his work, the challenges that he faced, or his seminal contribution to modern medicine. We appreciate the commitment to honor your father's breakthrough research in nuclear medicine. For decades, your mother carefully saved your dad's original work in your family home. And in 2000, you found the boxes and started to put the puzzle pieces together of this extraordinary journey. How did you start Saul Hertz Archives? Well, once I retired from my 35 years of teaching, I began to explore those boxes of materials and contacted the Society of Nuclear Medicine and Molecular Imaging to see if they might be interested in displaying some of the materials. So, so what did you find in this material? Oh, it was a real treasure trove. Um, I found the original correspondence between uh, MIT President Compton and my father. I found the handwritten data charts of the very first series of patients that were treated for hypothyroidism and so much more. Even a radio program from the 1940s that discussed the use of radioactive iodine. Did, did you and your mother talk about his work? Um, yes, we did. Uh, she tried to her best to honor his work um, by working with a company called Mallincroft that did a series of calendars in the 1970s. She went to Washington, D.C. to um, try to get legislation to honor his work, but um, she did her best. But, you know, at that point, um, she was somewhat limited. And you realized that his name, your father's name, was missing on the publication and that the story of his contribution had been twisted. And we'll come back to that later on. Your father was chief of the thyroid unit at Massachusetts General Hospital from year 1931 to year 1943. He was well aware about the iodine's mechanisms within the thyroid. He was working on a consurgical uh, method of treating hyperthyroidism. On November 12, 1936, he and his chief of medicine, Dr. James Means, who had established the Massachusetts General Hospital Thyroid Unit, joined a lunch symposium at Harvard Medical School, where the president of MIT, Carl Compton, gave a talk with the topic what physics can do for biology. And this was the eureka moment, right? Absolutely. Um, he, his mind was quickly working along here and, um, and uh, 
he was very excited and spontaneously asked Compton um, a, a pivotal question that began the um, REI research. He spontaneously asked, could iodine be made radioactive artificially? Knowing that um, he had already been working with external radiation with x-rays, but that um, that was not going to be uh, a way to treat the um, hypothyroidism in that um, the external radiation would cause harm to healthy cells. So um, he, he just had a flash of um, insight in terms of bringing together uh, artificial radioactivity, which had only been um, uh, around for maybe, um, actually the year before, uh, won a Nobel Prize in 1935. And the fact, as you mentioned, that the thyroid took up the iodine, this was a, a very important question. It's a true Eureka moment. Uh, after this meeting, your father started a collaboration with a physicist at MIT, Arthur Roberts. They performed animal studies and wrote their first paper with the findings that hyperplastic glands retained more iodine than normal glands. They demonstrated the trace qualities of radioactive iodine to study the, the physiology of the thyroid. This must have been a, a, a huge step forward. Yes, in fact, um, obviously there wasn't any social media at the time, but he must have sensed that there, uh, how important it was that he took a selfie. And there's <laughs> a photo of um, Arthur Roberts, the physicist from MIT, and my dad from Mass General. Um, and it, it's really quite uh, humorous if also, if you look at it, he has no gloves on and he's smoking a pipe. And Arthur Roberts has doesn't even have a white coat on. But um, this was the photo that marked the um, preclinical studies. And, and these preclinical studies were promising. A, a cyclotron was needed for a longer lasting radioactive iodine. And New York City Markle Foundation contributed with over $30,000 at that time to build a cyclotron at MIT that produces the radioactive isotope iodine 130 and iodine-131. And in early 1931, they gave the first radioactive iodine to a patient with hyperthyroidism. Do, do we know anything about this patient who was treated? Yes, absolutely. You can imagine the excitement of Dr. Hertz rushing over the Charles River Bridge from MIT to Mass General to um, treat Elizabeth D was the first patient on March 31st, 1941. Uh, what we know about her from his data chart is that she was actually treated twice and then had surgery. So the first uh, treatment was 2.1 millicaries, which isn't a very large amount. And then um, after the second treatment, she was uh, treat, uh, she did have her thyroid surgically removed. What we know is that um, the radioiodine did go to her thyroid, and in fact, her thyroid did shrink. So it showed proof of concept. 
Now to the sad part of the story, you might say, because during the years of animal testing at MIT, the, uh, Robley Evans dictated a letter from your father that his name, Robley Evans' name, should be included to the author's list as it was a condition of Arthur Roberts' employment. Evans had not been involved in the work, but he was director of MIT's radiation lab and Robert's boss. Then in 1943, your father went to serve the Navy during World War II. And during these years, Dr. Earl Chapman took over his work and teamed up with Evans at MIT before your father returned to Boston. Chapman and Evans submitted a paper to the Journal of the American Medical Association of their work utilizing radioactive iodine without your father's name. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. This is a um, very um, difficult situation for him. Um, when he came back from serving his country in, during the war, he found that his um, his work basically was stolen. Um, and so um, what happened was the uh, journal, journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA's Edison, uh, editor, reached out to my father and asked for the seventh paper on the subject of radioiodine. And so two papers appeared in the May 1946 uh, JAMA uh, uh, journal. Um, and the Hertz Roberts paper came first. And the second paper was the uh, Chapman Evans paper. And any ideas of how your father reacted to this? Well, um, he just kept going. He just picked himself up and kept going. Um, he was unable to have his military leave of absence honored. And he went to another hospital, um, to um, the Beth Israel Hospital, where he had a grant of money from the Navy to explore the use of um, uh, radioiodine in treating thyroid carcinoma. Yeah. And uh, just five years ago, Massachusetts General Hospital Chairman Emeritus Emeritus Department of Radiology stated that Chapman and Evans had basically stolen his work and the most flagrant, unethical, academically reprehensible behavior worst yet. These two gentlemen spent a great deal of time and effort rewriting history. How important is this kind of redress? Well, it's very important to me because uh, finally his work is not only honored, but um, the impact of his work on current and future research is significant. And just this past week, the American Chemicals Society uh, established a Dr. Saul Hertz, the medical uses of radioiodine, a national historic landmark at in Boston. So I'm really happy that that's occurred. And so important for the future, I would say. Absolutely. Inspiration as well yes. as motivation. Yes, indeed. Your father contributed in a great, incomparable way. 
already in 1937, when performing the animal studies, he realized that radioactive iodine could be used for thyroid carcinoma as well. And in 1942, he started to give radioactive iodine to carcinoma. After returning from the Navy, he continued this work. In what way? Well, he continued the work um, at the Beth Israel on thyroid carcinoma. But at, after about a year, he was so intent about using radioactive substances, not only to treat thyroid carcinoma, but he believed the targeted uh, precision approach, um, he wouldn't have called it that, he did call it targeted approach of using radioactive substances to treat other forms of cancer. He felt that what he had done with thyroid carcinoma held the key to the problem of cancer in general. Yeah, and he also developed uh, and used of a, a multiscaler. Well, this was an important tool. Back in the day, they didn't have much equipment. Um, maybe they had, you know, Geiger-Mueller tubes or whatever. But the multiscaler um, that was developed with him um, at MIT, where he was teaching as well, um, was a important instrument in that it uh, was was able to help determine um, the uptake of the radiation in the thyroid, which led to um, he he made use even in the animal studies of dosimetry. And this was critical to um, establishing an effective and safe dose. Yeah, so actually by using the multiscaler, they also developed the dosimetry. Exactly. And um, at the time of his passing in July of 1950, from a sudden death heart attack, your father had expanded his research to other areas of cancer research using radionuclides. Your father's discovery had changed lives for so many patients. You have a quote, Barbara, do you want to share? A cancer survivor wrote to me, emailed me actually, with this email. Treatment with radioactive iodine knocked the thyroid cancer, metastatic to a little bit of bone and lung right out of me, exceeding my doctor's expectations. I am now 81. We have a large family. Many were praying for me. The cure delivered on the wings of prayer was Dr. Saulhertz's discovery, the mir miracle of radioactive iodine. Few can equal such a powerful and precious gift. Thank you, wonderful. And um, how do you think, Barbara, that your father would react today knowing what has happened in the area and is happening in the area of diagnostics? Well, I think he would be most thrilled with the um, phase three trials that have come out recently showing the success of using um, targeted therapy in treating metastatic prostate cancer. That would really be exciting for him. 
when uh, this episode is recorded it just was the Nobel Prize week in Sweden uh, the, the week where all the prizes were announced uh, and we, we uh, usually ask our guests who they think should receive the Nobel Prize for their efforts into diagnostics and I guess that your choice is quite obvious Barbara you bet <laughs> let's give a big hip hip hooray for Dr. Hertz and all those who are carrying his legacy forward. That was Barbara Hertz, Annette. Yes. What a story. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, so much goodness, I would say. Good, a good feeling about the story, ending in a good way, benefiting so many patients uh, still today. Yeah, and see what we are today. And more to come. Yeah, and we're doing a podcast about diagnostics now. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, if you're more interested, uh, I know that uh, Barbara she has uh, a homepage where he where there are a lot of pictures from from Saul Hertz early days and documents and so on. So I think we just can uh, have it on our homepage or in the the text for this episode. It's really like a digital digital museum, you can say. Yes, it is. So, click to the link and find more information there. Okay, Annette, are we ready for today? Ready. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, send us an email, podcast at samnordic.se. Visit us on our homepage or LinkedIn. Yes. So, as we say, stay safe, stay tuned. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.